You are tuned in to Irish Illustrated Insider, two-man booth today. Tim Priester with Pete Sampson of The Athletic. It's Monday, February 10th, and Notre Dame has a new tight ends coach, which uh, Irish Illustrated was on top of by the end of January, but it just became official. Did Notre Dame actually announce it? They have not. They haven't. But As we're recording this, they have not, but I know that uh, John McNulty has had a com- the conversation with Father John Jenkins, and once you get to the <laughs> Father John Jenkins and then you're telling people that you're going, you're going. And it's on your uh, wiki page yeah. that you now okay. are, well, that's are the coaching most official. At, yeah, <laughs> that you're now coaching in Notre Dame. So John McNulty, 51 years old. Um, I'm a little surprised at some of the reactions to him. Um, a guy that was a, a full-time assistant in the NFL, I believe, for 14 years. Maybe it's the, the recent... Rutgers affiliation as offensive coordinator, but I'm not sure if God himself could come down and coordinate a quality offense at Rutgers. I thought the interesting thing is that in his first tour of duty with Rutgers, which was with Greg Schiano, uh, in 2007, in 2007, when I believe that was the year he became an offense, the offensive coordinator, uh, Rutgers set records for total offense points and first downs. So, it's a track record. A lot of it is on um, the NFL level. Notre Dame's new tight ends coach, John McNulty. I mean, I'm fine with it. I We've talked about in, on previous podcasts, like the, this notion of the home run hire is a bit ridiculous. Um, we don't know how it's going to work uh, from the outside. We do know that McNulty and Tommy Reese have worked together. So Tommy, if M- John McNulty was a bad coach, <laughs> Tommy Reese would have been able to sniff that out. Um, as a recruiter, I think that's, there's, there's nothing in his track record that would make you confident, like, boom, great recruiter out of the gate. Maybe he'll be one, but we don't know that. Um, and I think with Notre Dame's sort of recruiting push moving forward, I think it would have been beneficial to hire somebody with some proven recruiting chops. Um, but in terms of just a a football coach who's going to collaborate well with Tommy Reese, I think he's, he certainly meets that requirement. And from the standpoint of recruiting tight ends, I mean, tight ends kind of recruit themselves to yeah, Notre Dame. But, I mean, Chip Long was instrumental in recruiting Chris no Tyree doubt. and Jordan Johnson. No, no doubt about it. And that is a legitimate question. And I also think that which has been brought up to me a couple times, and I, you know, I acknowledge it that he was an analyst at Penn State. They had an opening at wide receivers coach. He has coached wide receivers. Um, they didn't go that route. So why is that? Maybe that was McNulty's choice. I don't know. I, I doubt that that would have been the case because Penn State's got it going on, and there's no reason why I wouldn't think that that would be um, you know a spot where he would like to have landed uh, full-time. So I don't know, but I know that a guy that's coached in the NFL for 14 years, Jacksonville, Dallas, Arizona, Tampa Bay, Tennessee, and then the Chargers, which is, as you mentioned, overlapped with Tommy Reese, um, he also was a wide receivers coach for Skip Holtz in the mid to early 90s when Skip Holtz was at, at UConn. So we'll find out. I just, I'm a little sensitive about, uh, you know, the watchdogs of resumes that make determinations as to how good a guy can be. I mean, but so, I get, so I get rarely the, has, has Notre Dame made a hire where you're just like, that resume is incredible. Now, Lance Taylor was one of them. Yeah. Uh, but for the most part, Clark, uh, Clark Lee's resume was. Nothing when he got hired as linebackers coach. Mike Elko's resume as defensive coordinator, which is like 
okay. Um, success, but on a smaller level. Yeah, but level. a smaller level. There's no, there were no guarantees, I guess, is what you, you ha- get back yeah, to. Yeah, I mean, don't you You have to have a little bit of faith in the people that actually sit down with them and interview them and make an evaluation. <laughs> a lot more than you should have right. I mean, Brian, Brian how, many, how, many, how many assistant coaches has Brian Kelly hired in his life? And I'm, and I'm, you know, I'm not saying that Brian Kelly's always going to make the right choice. I, I'm just saying that for me, in, in the seat that I sit in, most of the time, I'm going to be pretty open-minded about somebody like this. The one and that I, I just said, when Brian Kelly has made hires that he is sort of delegated out to his staff, like who do you who do you like? Who's good input for you? Opposed to somebody from my own little my own group over the years from Grand Valley Central Cincinnati, I think by and large they've been very very good. By and McNulty large, would fit the, in that you, group. You had the the BBG hiring, and I know no, that, I mean, that, that, that was, but that was Brian Kelly's. Sort of inside group, the Van Gorder hire. I'm saying that's going to be more like the he stands. Oh, okay, Lance this is Taylor, somebody on the outs. Okay, Clark, good, right. Uh, Elko, Long, um, Bayless. I mean, I think really when he goes out and says like, okay, who who, regardless of my relationships, who fits with what right. we have, he does a really good job with these hires. Right. No, I would agree. So we'll see how that works out. But I'm sure I'm sure he'll he'll do just fine. The recruiting question is is certainly a question to be addressed. As far as the cornerbacks coach, um, it's really it, it went from uh, Durante Jones, or maybe it went it went from Christian Parker to Durante Jones back to Christian Parker, including Mike Mickens, then to Robert Steeples, and now it looks like it's favoring Mickens. Yeah, hard to uh, really have a great accounting of this. I did talk to Brian Kelly when I was in Florida last week. Uh, it was on Friday. He said that one offer had gone out. They were going to do one more interview. Um, I believe the offer is to Mickens. At the time, Luke Fickle to Michigan State. Was that going to happen? If it does, does Mickens go there with a bigger job? Does he stay at Cincinnati and get promoted? Since then, Fickle has decided he's staying at Cincinnati. If Mickens can't move up at Cincinnati, because Marcus Freeman is, I believe, the defensive coordinator, um, who's really close with Mickens, by the way. If that can't happen, then... If there's a jump to be made, it's probably at Notre Dame. I did ask somebody who covers Cincinnati, what do you think of him as a recruiter? And he said, it's him, Freeman, and I think Gadouli. Those are the three biggest reasons why Cincinnati recruiting has taken a huge step forward. So unlike McNulty, where we just don't know, there's not really a track record of it. With Mickens, I think you would look at it and have more confidence that He's got some recruiting chops that he's shown already. Yeah, a younger guy that's been out on the road that has yeah. some a bit of a proven track record. Now, the interesting name, and in, in, in all the credit in the world of Tom Loy of 24-7 Sports slash Irish Illustrated, who was, who was the one that broke the story on the possibility of Robert Steeples at DeSmet High School in St. Louis, and ironically... You know him a little bit, yeah. too, because of the Jordan Johnson recruitment. Yeah, I went down and spent some time at Dismet in April. Uh, after, I think it was after spring practice had wrapped up. I mean, super impressed by him. Um, dynamic personality, engaging, I think very relatable um, for for kids, whatever their background is. Um, that There's a... I don't know, sort of a well-roundedness there that I, that I think would serve Notre Dame very well. It's... You know, Dismet was was really bad when he showed up, and I don't want to say I don't want to use the term recruit to get Jordan Johnson to come there, but Jordan Johnson was transferring schools, had some other options, sat down with Steeples, and decided Dismet was the place to go, uh, even though it was maybe not the easiest path to um, you know growing into a 
growing into a, a, a top prospect. Siebel's played in the pros. Um, I think he, I think he would do a bang up job recruiting. Uh, and I think, unlike the staff needs on offense, where you have a, a young group, young offensive coordinator who could probably use some veteran advice in McNulty, defensively. This whoever the cornerbacks coach is, is is the fourth coach, right? On defense. Lee Elston, Terry Joseph. I don't think they need somebody to come in and reinvent the schematic wheel. Right, and all these guys are about the same age. I think maybe Mickens is a little bit older, but Steeples is thirty. Christian Parker is twenty nine, yeah. I think, right now. So they're all uh from the same era of of player slash coach. You know, I again I'm I'm I've been pretty open-minded about each one of them. I think Steeples is the one that I think is the most interesting, obviously, because of coming from the high school ranks where he took a 1-9 program and just went 14-0. and Yeah. I mean, you understand <laughs> what it's like to work at a Catholic school. Um, right. Just met, uh, right. Right. Mike Mickens played for Brian Kelly uh, at Cincinnati. Uh, was a really good player. So, um we have a question about that in the second half, and you know how I am about timetables and things like that. I, 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 I'm sure Brian Kelly knows the timetable that he needs to follow in order to hire a defensive backs coach, and it has it has taken a little bit of time, and we'll we'll address that a little bit more in segment two. The NFL Combine invites have gone out. Notre Dame with is that a record that that. I don't know about a record, but I, I mean, don't a think recent, it's a record. It probably not it for, Notre, for it, Notre Dame. I it mean. continues very strong turnouts. Yeah. Um, you know, sort of in the top ten, top five nationally in terms of getting people yeah. to combine. Chase Claypool, Cole Komet, Khaled Kareem, Julian Okwara, Tro- Troy Pride, Jalen Elliott, Alohi Gilman, Chris Fink, and Tony Jones Jr. No Asmar Bilal. Um, which is not a shock, I think, again, because of volume of linebackers. And just there's a limited amount. But I think it's it's very unfortunate because he really, really had a great fifth year. Yeah, I think that uh, him, if you had said Fink was out but Bilal was in, I'd be like, okay, that's fine. Um, you know why Fink's in, though? Because I, he's going to run a 4.3 okay. something. <laughs> yes. And that's that's why he's in. Um, or if, or Jones, <laughs> if Tony Jones wasn't in, but Bilal was in, in a lot of ways, I think I would have been like, that would have made more sense to me. Not like by a huge, not a huge difference. They're both sort of like back undrafted free agents, seventh round types. Yeah. But I thought, I, I, was, I, guess su- I, thought, I was surprised that Tony Jones was invited. Yeah. If, if we had said, hey, last podcast, who are the nine, nine are going, who are the nine? I think we all probably would have put Bilal in. The only reason I wouldn't have was because of, of my conversations with, conversations with Dan Shanka of Our Lads, who kind of indicated to me in advance that that might happen. But point taken, that, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Bilal had a, a really quality fifth year, and he will he will be in a camp. There's just no doubt about that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he has all the measurables. He's going to run well, uh, and he has a ton of experience, so he, he'll get his opportunity. But not, whether 9 or 10 from Notre Dame – um, good for Notre Dame, and I, I think it's going to be interesting. Um, Cole Komet, you know, he's he it's he he's the number one tight end, and only he can lose it, right? I, I would imagine at this point, depending upon what he does at the combine, it's going to be interesting to see how Chase Claypool runs, and then Julian Okwar obviously is going to have to to wait. Khalid Kareem was invited to the East West Shrine yeah, game, and he that. didn't. Yeah, and he didn't respond and I'm, I'm not sure uh exactly what's behind that but 
you know, there's a lot writing for him at the at the combine as well. Uh, a little bit of recruiting news before we go to segment two. Well, let me mention a couple of things. Jay Brunel, we've been told. I mean, I don't think it's a secret anymore. I mean, certainly for anybody that's on campus, that Jay Brunel had shoulder surgery, so he'll be out for the spring. Uh, and I have recently heard about Aaron Banks having a reoccurrence of the foot issue that he had was at some point last summer, right? When yeah, that, it was when that first season. occurred. So I'm being told, we're being told that 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 he probably will not be participating in the spring, but. Uh, let's wait and see, but I think it's a similar situation to what he had last summer, which may indicate uh, he might have to play a little bit lighter than the weight that he's been playing at. If if that's uh, if that's something that that that's become a chronic problem for him, uh, Pete. What else? Anything else that? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I did want to talk about offensive line recruiting, which Notre Dame is. Man, they're in on some really really. Um, quality offensive lineman Rocco Spindler, Nolan Rucci, Wyatt Milam from West Virginia. I love uh, Landon Tangwall. I think is a little bit overrated as a five star, but their name's in on those guys, and they they can recruit offensive linemen. There's a bunch of really good ones this year. Yeah, talking to somebody on staff last week about how they ordered them, where. How they, what their perspective is on who they can get, how many they want to get. I get the sense of, you know, probably four, but they feel like everybody that they're in on, like every big name that they're recruiting along the offensive line is a fit for what Notre Dame is about, um, which is not that big of a surprise. Notre Dame is an offensive line kind of recruiting type of school. So I, I guess I, I'm hesitant to say they're going to have their pick of guys, but. It might that might not be that far off either. Well, Penn State's Penn State, and Michigan are thoroughly involved with these guys as well, and especially Penn State. I think it's, I mean, it's going to be it's going to be a battle. I love Rocco Spindler on the inside. Nolan Rucci looks to me like the prototype right tackle. Wyatt Milam on the left side at left tackle. Um, what what was your sense as to how can you talk about how they rated them? I don't know. Um, I think they. I'm not sure if they have a, like a, a hard list of like who's one, two, three, four. I'm sure that they have some idea of how they're ranked. But uh, you know, coming out of the contact period in January, where they're able to really get out and see these players, like Brian Kelly was in Michigan to see. Uh, was it Spindler, Spindler and Dellinger. Yeah, right, his teammate. Um, I don't know that they're – I mean, I wouldn't put him in the same classification as the Tang, other guys I believe Tangwall was visited uh, as well, maybe Rucci. But they they just feel like they fit with all of them, uh, and all of them fit them. So it's – you know, probably you, you get them there on March 20th, I believe, is sort of the big junior day. When that happens um, – then they can say like, "All right, these this is the order we'll take them in." Um, ultimately, I think they would take. I hate I hate to say like they would take all of them because um, you can't <laughs> sign seven offensive linemen. But um, I think they're pretty confident that they can pretty much just shop from the A list aisle in this class uh, when it comes to offensive linemen. If that happens, it will be a really good all. No, Greg Crippen. I, I I said you know it's like the elephant in the room. Nobody wants to talk yeah. about. It. He's been verbally committed to Notre Dame, but I don't think that that ultimately is going to hold. I agree. Either. I agree. I, I don't. I don't anticipate uh, that sticking unless something has changed internally with Notre Dame. 
There's a couple other offensive linemen that I didn't mention, uh, and I want to. Well, of course, Blake Fisher is already verbally committed to Notre Dame, so um, I'm I'm excluding somebody that um, I should be including here. And maybe if I come up with it while we're talking, we'll uh, <laughs> we'll throw that in. But I also did want to mention David Abiara, uh, the the defensive end, the strong side defensive end who really has a lot of game. And if anybody out there is uh, – Tristan Lee was the other offensive lineman that I wanted to mention from, from Fairfax, Virginia, who's a beast. Um, Abiari – I'm sorry, Abiara is a strong side defensive end who I think is really, really good. Reminds me of Melvin Dansby, a guy from the mid to late 90s, that, that type of that, – that kind of body type. And he was set to verbally commit to Notre Dame last Friday – and then didn't, uh, and and probably if you have some doubts, then then don't commit. But Notre Dame, Alabama, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Baylor, LSU, and Texas A and M are his name top seven. Ultimately, I think Notre Dame still will have a very good chance at him uh, ending up at at uh, in South Bend. But uh, a little bit disappointing because he was supposed to verbally commit. Yeah, I, I mean overall, Notre Dame sees him as kind of must have in this class. It's a position where it's hard to find guys who are academically inclined, and Aviar is academically inclined in a huge way. So this is this is the kind of guy that Notre Dame is going to get in a fight with Alabama, LSU, Oklahoma. If it if it requires that, if it requires throwing punches, if it requires getting Mike Elston on a private plane and getting Clark Lee on a private plane and going down to Texas to see this guy regularly. If it requires Brian Kelly doing that on Notre Dame's bye week uh, in the fall, as if I'm sure he'll be committed by then. But this is a guy that, and um, Will Shipley is similar, that Notre Dame is willing to invest more resources in to get. You know, it's, I've written and we've talked about like the private travel and those kind of investments these are the kinds of kids Notre Dame is willing to invest in to get. That is not a that's not a type player slash body type that normally comes to Notre Dame. It, it, Hard to find. Yeah, it, it just isn't. So, and then it, you know, I mean, I think his indecision when Alabama and LSU came in and offered a scholarship fairly recently, I believe it was fairly recently, just last week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, a kid's got to step back, take a step back, and and evaluate it. But long term, Notre Dame still is a really good fit for him and. And uh, Notre Dame should be in a running for him the rest of the way. Okay, that's enough. Segment one, segment two coming up. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Segment two, Irish Illustrated Insider. First question, Thomas the Terrible. Now that Notre Dame has reached the 500 mark in men's basketball, what are realistic ex- expectations down the stretch? 10 and 10, 11 and 9, even 12 and 8? Should not be worse than 10 and 10 uh, when you consider that of the eight remaining games, five of those uh, teams have losing records. And one of them is North Carolina, and that's not your typical. St- three and nine ACC team, although they certainly 
blew in after. Did Roy? How did Roy Williams? How did Roy Williams do the other I night? I thought of you as the, you? as entire yeah. as that game was unfolding. I'm like Priester is loving this. <laughs> uh, yeah, I you know, and they have Cole Anthony back, so they're a different team, and it'll be difficult, especially Erding plays at Virginia nine o'clock Tuesday. At Duke on Saturday, four o'clock in the afternoon, and then a turnaround to North Carolina on Monday at home. So one, yeah. one and two. Well, they needed Clemson, which they got last night, sixty-one fifty-seven. They absolutely had to grind that one out, and they did a great job. You know, they were Clemson can play defense. They they can't score, especially when their leading scorer is comes down with a flu yeah. and can't play. Uh, but they can play defense, and Nordham really had to grind. And as the second half evolved, they got be- their shooting percentage got better and better. They were more efficient offensively, and it was it was really a quality win. I know that Amir Sims was out of the game for Clemson, but it's still at Clemson a tough place to play and win, and they they, they grinded it out. No, so, I mean it's like Duke, Virginia, North Carolina. Can, if Nordham goes one and two, oh, okay. is that is that enough? It it is enough. Yeah, yeah I mean it, it's enough to That's be eleven, maybe and, 11 and nine. to eleven and nine. Or you have to beat Florida State at home, which you can, which they can do under yeah. the circumstances. They must be Louisville at home, right? Uh, you know, and they're 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 a better team than they were. A few they must weeks be Florida ago. State on and the road. Yeah, they're a better team than they and they scored eighty four points at, on yeah. the road at Florida State. So they're scoring. They didn't score last night, but they've been averaged averaging eighty two a game over the previous six. Uh, I think you know, and when you say okay, beat all the teams with losing records. Well, you have to go on the road and play BC, and you have to go on the road and play Wake Forest, and Virginia and Duke are, are given. Yeah, the, and they the lost to difficult. Boston College, and they almost lost to Wake Forest. Right, exactly. So, I mean, you can't take those as gimmies, but I do think that they're expecting to at least be 11-9. and nine. My concern is ACC basketball is just not just <laughs> not good basketball. And so I'm not sure at 11-9 and, 11 and nine gets you – Sixth place, maybe seventh, because uh, uh, yeah. NC State would win a tiebreaker with them. Uh, I'm not sure that the ACC goes seven deep. Right. I mean, it's like eleven and nine. They're a bubble team. Yes, that's probably the best way to look at it. Twelve right? and eight. Twelve and eight definitely gets you in. You had to beat. You had to beat Clemson, figuring that you're probably going to lose at Virginia and at Duke. Although Virginia is so offensively starved these days. That Notre Dame can just find a way to deal with their de- their defense never changes. No, um, if if they can just because Notre Dame is a superior offensive team to Virginia, but winning there's very difficult. Yeah, if they get one of the next two, they have a real good chance to make it. In yeah, the tournament. But, but your point being one and two, yes, one, one and two of the next three games, and that's probably North Carolina at home. Yeah, they've never wanted Virginia, but it's a it's a damaged Virginia team because they lost everybody from their national championship team. So we'll see about that. Irish case 05. Why has it been so difficult to hire a defensive backs coach? They expected Todd Light to leave for well over a year. Seems odd. I agree. It does seem strange. Uh, and I don't have a great answer for Irish case about why this has been so hard. Um, it, especially if they end up hiring, let's say they end up with Robert Steeples. Like if, I realize he wasn't like the number one choice, but I think it's more an issue of like, wait, if, if you knew you were going to have this opening, you vet the number one choice earlier, figure out where you stand. So then when it doesn't work out, you could have, you could have hired Steeples a month ago. That's not BK's MO. To, you're right. You're to, right. I, I, I don't know. It was, but that's like where Elston and Clark Lee and Terry Joseph, like, I, it just, 
It's an odd thing, and I'm not sure. I do not have a good answer for Irish Case on why it's worked out the way it's worked out. Well, okay. Um, I also don't want to make too much of it. Christian Parker was still in the playoffs with with Green Bay, although that he was a quality control. He was a quality control, yeah. so that shouldn't prevent you from being proactive with him. Uh, the Steeples thing, I understand. You know, a high school guy, and maybe you don't jump on that right away. Mickens was a guy that, well, I, how strongly did they feel that they were going to get Durante Jones? Yeah, I don't, I'm not clear on that. Yeah. Um, so, I, I, again, I'm a little bit more open-minded about these kind of things because there are so many moving parts over the course of 12 months. You're in season. You're preparing for a bowl. You're wrapping up recruiting. You're moving on to the next group of recruits. Uh, there's only so much you can do in a day. Uh, but could they have been more proactive? Certainly. Is this hurting them in any way? Not really. I don't think. I, no. I don't. I just that ultimately is what it comes down to. Is this in some way preventing you from preparing for the spring or you know moving forward with the twenty twenty one recruiting class? Is it a strange timeline? Yes. Is it all that important? <laughs> I would say not really. Any Davis two? Are we making too little or too big of a deal of Notre Dame having a fifth year starting quarterback? I didn't know that anybody was making. Too big or too. Big. I actually get questions about like, well, if Joe Burrow made that kind of jump from his fourth year to fifth year, why can't Ian Book? That 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 would be the making too much. That would be making way too much because he's not. He doesn't nearly have the size of Burrow or the receivers or the <laughs> yeah, which helps, which yeah. which is a significant advantage for Joe Burrow. But yeah, I mean, he, Ian Book's going to have a, a lesser receiving core, at least on paper, um, in 2020, as opposed to 2019. Ian Book just needs to be a better Ian Book, man. I mean, you can't, he doesn't need to be compared to anybody else. I don't know who's making a big deal or not a big deal out of it other than the, the perception. Might have been Eddie that, Davis in an email. I don't know. No, I don't think, I don't, I don't think it was. I, I just, uh, I'm not exactly sure where, where Andy's coming from here, but it's great to have him back. I, from, yeah. from our perspective, a veteran quarterback who gives you a chance to hit the ground running right from the beginning, even if you do have an inexperienced receiving core. Yeah, well, the the alternative is starting Brendan Clark. So they're they're better off with a guy who's played a ton of football. Uh, I don't know if you – I did sort of an interview with Dan Orlovsky last week. I, um, you may have. I didn't see it in its entirety. It's just in audio form only. But um, oh, okay, I apologize. But it's you. The parts about Ian Book, I think you would find really interesting in because we we talked a little bit about Chip Long and his be a damn game changer. You know, take your game to a different level, do different stuff. And Orlovsky was like, "Whoa, that's the exact opposite of what they should be doing." That he looks at Ian Book and says, "Look, there there are limitations there." But there are strengths that you can then that focus on your strengths and make them like elite, like recognition of defenses, understanding where the ball needs to go at the snap. Don't focus as much nearly on how do you throw the deep out, uh, arm strength, deep shots. Do what made you so good at the, in the first four starts of your career in 2018 and worry less about um, – some of the, the highlight plays that I think he really pressed to try to make at times last year. I understand where Olavsky's coming from, and I loved his work in the bowl game. Yeah, I thought, really, I thought really he good. was really, really good. 
I also know that Dan Orlovsky's I don't think has ever coached a day in his life, so I will trust Chip Long's no. judgment on that a little bit. But I know where Orlovsky's coming from because you do have look. You know, everybody's got to play their strengths. You can't go outside of the parameters of your strengths. Uh, but Ian Book needs to do the things that he can do, and that was the that was the confounding thing in the middle portion of the season last year because you know that he recognizes defenses. You know he's got pretty good accuracy. You know he's a good decision-maker pre-snap, and he wasn't doing all those things. Yep. He did in the last month of the season against lesser competition. So I'm fully on board with Ian Book maximizing what he's capable of doing, and it's all those things that I just mentioned. That's, that is... It's going to have to be good enough probably mm-hmm. for Notre Dame, but that's good enough for them to have another very successful season. Uh, Drew Brennan, 77, do you think BK's comments on recruiting and the changes they will make in order to get top classes was easier for him to make based on the really good start they had with the class of 2021? Mm, no. I, I mean, well, I guess yes. But I know I mean yes. Yes, it would be easier to say because you have Tyler Buckner and Blake Fisher sort of in but the But I bank. don't think – but I, that's but not that's why he said what he yeah, said. That's, right. that's why I say no and yes. Yeah. Um, I talked to Brian Kelly a little bit about this last week because it's like this topic has sort of fascinated me since the day bef- – two days before the Camping World Bowl. Um, and he he admitted like I can be more involved in recruiting than I have been. Um, he sort of saw his role as he's the introduction guy at a junior day and he's the closer at your in-home visit. There's not a lot in between there. And he knows that he needs to be more involved in those ways. Some of that is getting out on the road earlier, uh, which he did in January, not because he's spending more time recruiting now. It's because then he had, he knows who these kids are. He can text he can call. He can have contact with them. If that happens, then that's they they hope that makes a difference. Um, that's that's where he felt like the calendar change. He's able to sort of get ahead of it a little bit more. Um, I think that him not being involved in recruiting is a fair criticism, even though there's some pushback against that in Notre Dame in terms of how it was maybe came out was phrased with Jalen McMillan and Lathan Ransom, but. There's also an acknowledgement from Brian Kelly himself that, like, I, I can do more. So when he made the statements originally to you in Orlando and then I got down there a day or two later. No, you were there for it. Yeah, it was, oh, I it thought was, he said it before no, that. It was, okay. Yeah, All right. you were there oh, yeah, that's it. right. He did say it. Okay, that was two days before mm-hmm. the Camping World Bowl. Thursday press conferences are the best. Yes. <laughs> so are uh, yeah. observations from yeah. the sideline yeah. of practice. Oops. <laughs> Uh, so do you think that's what – my point is, do you think that's what he was talking about, that he yes. would be more involved? Yeah, I do. I do. I mean, um, uh, with a bunch of other things, but, like, to me, that's the most important thing is him being more involved. Yeah. So I think he'd be good at it. Yep. CMU Pence fan, what kind of role do you see Lawrence Keyes having with the offense in 2020? Starting slot, but a rotational player as the slot usually is. Not – not playing nearly as much as Chris Fink played at the slot. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't, think I wouldn't so. do that with Tremble and Wright and um, Michael Mayer available as well. Uh, I think that you're you're better off with sort of a rotation. Are we twelve per or yeah twelve personnel or eleven personnel? Have that maybe be even more balanced than it was last year, where instead of it being like two to one between I don't know why two thirds eleven personnel and one third. Two tight ends. I'd have it maybe be more 50-50, especially if Michael Mayer is as good as I think he's going to be. So 
I mean, is we're really projecting here, although he's an early entry freshman, so we'll we'll have an opportunity to see him here in the spring. But you you think Xavier Watts is the guy that 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 shares that spot with Lawrence Keyes? Um, do they cross train Braden Lindsay with X and Z? I don't you know. As well, I, maybe Wilkins backs up two spots. <laughs> um, I don't think they cross train Lindsay, but I, I'm not sure about that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know the answer to. They don't. Like, they, I mean, really. I mean, at Z, they they moved Micah Jones to Z there last year. I don't see him being in the mix. We don't really know what Kendall Abdurrahman is capable of doing at this point. He didn't really see the light of day as a as a true freshman, and I, that's not startling. But yeah, just the backup slot receiver is almost like a quarter time player, right? And you're talking like, about tight ends, too. yeah, right? Absolutely. Um, so I'm not I'm not sure how they will play that out, but it's like. Do I think Notre Dame's backup slot receiver is going to be more talented than Michael Mayer or less talented than Michael Mayer? Less. I want to. I want to see Michael Mayer on the field before I see yeah. the number two slot. Certainly a a much different type of athlete being put out there. But, <laughs> yes. but with that with that kind of size and strength and quickness, as long as you're effective, it doesn't really matter yeah, what size you'll you are be in, the, in the slot. Uh, Vali Chiranhai, if you had to guess player positional changes that will take place during or after spring practices, who would they be? I don't, as I went through the roster, I'm not sure. I mean, other than maybe, you know, switching uh, Buck and Mike and something like that. I mean, I don't know that I see a whole bunch. I mean, Paul, Paul Moala, if you're going to keep Ousu Koromoa at Rover, Moala could move inside. I don't know how many. Is there a limit on how many moves Avery Davis can make? Although he's really, he's really more of a uh, running back that's a slot receiver than than running back. If you want to read too much into off-season practice training photos, which I often do, Avery Davis was still working out with the receivers, and Joe Wilkins was working out with the receivers because those two guys would be high on my list of. Oh, maybe they give them a shot on defense just because. The, the the personnel numbers are so yeah, low is, over there. It doesn't seem like that's happening. Is there still some question as to where where Houston Griffith is aligned in the spring? I don't think so. He's got to be a safety. He's, I no, he's got he might be, be a safety. starter. <laughs> he could he could very well be. Um, I just don't see you know Cam Hart's banged up. He's a corner. You know Caleb Offord and Clarence Lewis. Is Clarence Lewis here? Is he an early entry? He's not. Caleb Offord is. You know, I somebody like um, Hunter Spears. Do you You've move from the offensive you. line? Um, yeah, I feel like there's going to be a defensive lineman who moves over. Uh, but that's kind of about it. You know, I think these questions about position switches are always more geared towards like who's the next CJ Pro size. Like, I don't, I don't think it's going to have an impact on this season. Yeah, I just, I don't see a ton of movement. Yeah, I think. And that's, you know, some years you need to try more than others, try more yeah. position switches than others. I'm not really sure that this is one of those years. I agree. Maddie Hebes, 14, with Chris Fink moving on from the program, who are the candidates for return duties next year? Now, I mean, there's two answers there because Fink was not a kick returner. Fink was just a punt returner. Uh, but I know who I want as a kick returner, and he was the lead guy in the Iowa State game. So you're you're into the Braden Lindsay. I mean, yeah, he's got I mean, to be back. There was just that was such the point a, of recruiting him. There was just such an explosiveness in the handful of times that that he had opportunities. That it's like, and I thought I thought we saw that in Lawrence Keys uh, also, but not every time. Not not every time that he returned. 
but as far as punt returns, it was Joe Wilkins, right, that filled in for Fink when Fink was banged up. Oh, it's Stanford when he had the hamstring. Yeah, when it was just when he was just catch it. Oh no, but I think early in the year wasn't there a game early in the year when we, Wilkins caught a couple. Anyway, who do you think who's going to replace Fink as a punt returner? I mean, can, I don't know if Lindsey would do both. Uh, I do like Lindsey as a kickoff return guy. Um, you know, among the punt returners, Keys. I have a hard Keys. time distinguishing between like, well, would Keys be better than Avery Davis, and would Avery Davis be better than Joe Wilkins, who would be better? Well, than... because we only get a couple glimpses yeah. to see. Okay, who who are the five guys back there returning punts? And then a lot of times they're just catching it. We don't even really yeah. see them returning it. You know, it's like, so, well, Chris Tyree get a look in August. Well, I'm I, was sure. gonna, I was just going to say like, Chris right? Tyree is somebody that has to be, in addition to Braden Lindsay, gets a look as a kick returner. But as a punt returner, too, you know, I don't know. that We're interested to find out this spring as well. Not Jay Tafel. Which player would you say is the favorite to be the third corner behind Sean Crawford and Tariq Bracey? I think we addressed this fairly recently, and there's really only a handful of options, right? I mean, Rutherford and two. Isaiah, Isaiah Rutherford. And, well, offered here early, and that's why. Right. I, I, I just don't see him as an option uh, right away. Probably not. There's two. It's KJ Wallace and Isaiah Rutherford. Yeah. And, we've, and Wallace had a good August. And we heard Irish Illustrated heard positive things about Rutherford as the season progressed. So we're we're going to find out. That's I mean in fairly short order. Every podcast is the the most interesting second team position group is like Wallace and Rutherford. What do they look like? Can they get out there and make some plays in practice? How do they compete? Do they get reps against Kevin Austin and Braden Lindsay? How does it, you know how the staff uses them in practice? Sort of tells you how they feel about them. Because they're not going to match them up with Austin and Lindsay unless they think they can hang with them. So well, that that would be a good sign for me if I saw that. One of the things that I thought was impressive, and I heard this from Todd Light during the summer, that KJ Wallace was playing the boundary, and you think that little guy's playing the boundary, but he was tough. He was physical, and so I think that that's that's a real positive thing to hear. You know, Tariq Bracy. I know we're talking about him as a starter, but. He's got to be strong enough to to hold up at, at boundary corner. You're not you can't put Crawford there, can you? They don't have a bound. It's like they have four corners okay, and they I all understand. play the field, right? No, I understand. I'm not I, sure I who the best option yeah. would be. Um, like if Crawford didn't have physicality um, concerns, where I mean that in the sense like he'd get injured. Um, not injury concerns. Yeah, because he's a good tackler. I would he's stick a, him over there. No, I agree. He's he is a good tackler. I mean, I think he's a He's a proactive tackler. I, I see him reacting to plays before a lot of corners would react to oh, it. Oh, yeah, his diagnostic ability. I think, yeah, is off absolutely. The so, which is like yeah, what you would I, really want in a boundary corner. Right, right. I just want him on the field more. Uh, guns loaded, fifty-six. Where does a guy like J.D. Bertrand fit into the linebacker rotation? He was a highly recruited kid with several SEC offers, but yet we never heard about him. Yeah, I mean, he took a. He was a easy red shirt last year. Um, I don't know if he will get a look at the Buck at all. Um, I would think, especially if if, they're, if your Bucks are more Jack Lamb and Shane Simon. Yeah, I think he's JD Bertrand is a lot more Drew White. Um, so I, I think he will probably continue to be a backup Mike linebacker. I would think so. And and uh, Bo Bauer's out of here after this year, right? No, he's a junior. No, he's a huh? Is he a senior? If only we could research this. <laughs> 
<laughs> I haven't listened okay. to you in two well, years. Okay, well, no, Joe, Bo, Bo, I'm still here then. Sorry, Bo. Yeah. Um, he, so, uh, J.B. Bertrand's probably just going to have to wait his turn. He probably will. And I do want to say that Guns Loaded 56, you are a prime candidate to subscribe to Irish Illustrated because you said that he's never heard about him, and that just wasn't true in our preseason reporting. He had a good August. I mean, he had a good summer. Did some good things. He did, and, and he was a guy that they took a strong look at, at least in Culver. Not, and he's, he's not huge. But he's not any smaller than Drew White is. No, he's just he's he's a, he's kind of squat. I mean, he's a he's a wider body than Drew White yeah. is. He's a Mike linebacker. Yeah, he's, he's that's where he's that's where he fits. They just have so, a bunch of them. I think you know. I think he showed pretty well early on, and then you know that happens to a lot of freshmen that you just get lost in the shuffle yeah, once I think they that, come back. Yeah, it's August for we we focus on freshmen in August. Are they going to play this year or not? I think coaches are more like can this guy play a couple years down the road? Do we see some bite in this guy? I think Bertrand probably checked the box of like right. yeah, we in, like it. In the first, I don't know, 10 days maybe to 14 days is when they give somebody like that an opportunity. Okay, well we'll run them out yeah. there with the first team at least in, you know, non-contact non-contact and see how he does. Uh, but I think he's he's a guy for the future. There's no reason to be disappointed in the future of J.D. Bertrand based upon his freshman year. Irish Rover. Pete, you mentioned in part of Kelly's comments that there needed to be an expansion to the Goog. Are there any specifics when it comes to what expansions and or additions will come? Pete? Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> so uh, Kelly is of the mindset that they need academic space, training space, um, I mean, training table space and probably some recovery space as well. Um, my sort of understanding was that there would be construction between the new facility and the old facility. I had heard last week that one option might be to take over the band facility right across the street and then move them somewhere else. That might be an option. Um, I don't have specifics on timelines of that, um, but... I'm trying to think in terms of when I had heard, I think it was the first person to hear like a new indoor is coming. And that was in August of 2016, right before the Texas game. Um, and then it was open three years later and constructed two years later. So it's the timeline is not, I don't, I don't think it's going to be a super immediate thing unless they built something new for the band. Um, but, but I'm just saying, that, that was something that was thrown my way last week. I think there's a lot of options on the table right now. Who wins out when it's a matter of priority, football or the band? The band would tell you the band. <laughs> it is, it's like right across the street from yeah. the indoor facility now. Which is also now contiguous to the basketball, right? I mean, it's all yes. like kind of this yes. little al- yeah. athletics hub. Um, the th- I'm not sure how much I got into it. When I visited with Jack... Swarbrick, I think this was last August, he had mentioned about the need to expand. And the things that you mentioned were all were all the things that so him and, and, and BK are on the same page. Yeah, and Swarbrick said said the same to me. I think where there's a maybe just be my perception. I get the sense that Kelly is like, we need this right now. And Swarbrick is more like, hey, we just opened a new indoor. Like, okay, let's let's figure this out, take some time. But I think that's how those guys are wired. You know, Kelly is Kelly is not a, a wait and see. Let's take a cautious yeah. approach. Swarbrick is he's an attorney. That's that's how that works, <laughs> and that's fine. We've got one more question. You want to ask? TD ISU nineteen. I'm going to add your name to it because I think it's directed to you, Tim Priester. 
On a scale of one to ten, how mad does it make you when other sites take credit for stories that you break? Like, let me get, let me sit back and pull out my popcorn here. No. Go for it. There were there were there were a lot of popcorn <laughs> memes. Yes. Over the weekend, I did notice. Um, look, when it, it, I, I tell you when I got when I got upset was when for the third time in three days. Somebody wrote about something that that we had already broken or written about. And look, I understand when Bruce Feldman writes about it, I know that he's not taking from Irish Illustrated. Uh, And John Bryce, a veteran who's now with Irish Sports Daily, a veteran reporter from from Tennessee and down south, you know, when when he writes about uh, Chip Long, I know that he didn't see what I wrote about Chip Long in my Thursday thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I, you know, what I have a problem with is the unprofessionalism of some of the people in our industry, and some of the people in our industry don't belong in it, and that lack of professionalism is very difficult to accept. And yeah, that's that's when I get upset because look, Tom Loy from Twenty Four Seven Sports and Irish Illustrated breaks more news. And it's not just recruiting news. I mean, he's been on top of everything that's been happening with the assistant coaches and has been first in virtually every instance that I can think of with regard to uh, to Notre Dame's coaching search. So I try to always give credit where it's due. I can remember, I think when Chip Long was was let go, we were working on the story when Football Scoop came out with it. I'm not sure if I... If I credited football scoop because we were working on it, it was a matter yeah. of minutes in between. But I mean, it's just common courtesy and it's professionalism. And when somebody skips that process and knows darn well who broke the story, then I get pissed. Yeah, you you can't pretend, especially if you're like local here, that you don't know who was reporting what. <laughs> A national is something totally different to me. But local, like, you just, you got to know because you got to read what everyone else is writing. That's just part of doing your job. Yeah. And so that that came up over the weekend, and I said what I wanted to say, and I said it now, and that's <laughs> that's that until the next instant, instance when it happens again. That's going to be a wrap for uh, us here today on Irish Illustrated Insider. We are going to skip next Monday, February 10th. We will not have a podcast on, I'm sorry, February 17th. We will not have a podcast Last week I said December, so at least I'm in the right month. Uh, no podcasts on February 17th. A planned return on Monday, February 24th. For Irish Illustrated Insider, for Pete Sampson, I'm Tim Priester. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast. If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football, please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to irishillustrated.com slash support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the leader in coverage of Notre Dame athletics.